Hello and welcome to the First Prez OC podcast. My name is Gabe Perez. I'm the youth pastor here at uh, First Prez OC. And this week we are diving into Mark 1 verse 40 into Mark chapter 2 in our origin series talking through the life and ministry of Jesus. Obviously we're going to be talking a little bit about people being desperate for Jesus um, and Jesus being someone who serves but also his ultimate goal is to share the gospel of spiritual health and spiritual healing was always his ultimate goal that's my dog flapping her ears so you're welcome and uh, obviously talking about how everyone has the opportunity to come to faith in Christ and, and faith in Christ is for everybody it's not exclusive. The church isn't exclusive. Our faith is exclusive. And Jesus is not exclusive, but he is inclusive and for everyone. So hope you can get a lot out of today's lesson. And you guys are blessed by our worship as well. Enjoy. That being said, let's pray. And we're going to jump into some worship, right? Let me put that down for a second. All right. Father God, uh, we just thank you so much and we just love you. Uh, we're gathered here uh, for you. Lord, yes, we have good food. Yes, we can laugh and have a good time. And yes, we can play all these fun games. Uh, but Lord, ultimately, we are here um, to grow in you. Uh, we are a family, and I pray that you would help us to focus our hearts to not be a distraction uh, to ourselves or to anybody else. Jesus, that we would um, not let our selfish desires to be funny or to be a distraction or to get attention. Uh, <laughs> get in the way of why we're here um, because we are here for you and for you alone um, I pray that you would move powerfully um, help us just to hear your voice and Lord um, let me just be empty of myself that I may listen to you and your voice and that we all may hear from you tonight through me in your mind and we pray Jesus amen, amen.
Obviously, uh, we are in our origin series. If you guys have not been here, um, this is week three of our origin series. I'm going to move this guy because it's going to annoy me. Um, the, the, cord, the cord was underneath my foot. It was kind of frustrating. Anyways, um, so yes, we are in week three of our origin series, uh, going through the life of Jesus through the gospel of Mark. So if you guys haven't been here, that's where we're at. Uh, week one, we talked about what every single gospel is, uh, or kind of what the main focus of them are, um, and kind of what we're going to be looking at mostly, and what pops up a lot in Mark. Um, but then we also talked about, excuse me, um, kind of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, because that's really what the gospels are all about. They don't focus very much on his life before his ministry started. They really focus just on Jesus' ministry and his life here on earth. The last three years of his life are all four of those books. So, um, we also looked into, after and this is week two, uh, Jesus has called his disciples. He had had a very focused mindset. He had a mission that he was centered around, um, which was to go and preach to everyone that he could. And that's what leads us to today when we are in Mark 1.40 is where we're going to start. We're actually going to go all the way into chapter 2 as well. Um, but 
before we do all of that, um, I'm just going to kind of set this up a little bit for you guys. So the end of the last chapter, um, we talked about how um, Jesus actually healed um, somebody, right? Does anybody remember who he healed? Just off the top of your head. Uh, Lazarus? No. Lazarus. Were, no, he, he didn't heal Yeah, he healed one of the disciples' moms, right? Or one of the disciples' moms. Um, so um, one of the moms was like down with, she was sick, da 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 da, and then, and then long story short, he ended up healing her and healing her in such a miraculous way she was able to come back. And now that leads us to where we are at today, which is actually going to start off with two separate stories of Jesus' healing. Now they're similar in a few ways, but they're also very distinct from each other in other ways. So let's read, we're going to start in Matthew or, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, all right? So I'm just going to read this off. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly and stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So, um, for those of you guys that just leave it up there just for right now, for those of you guys that don't know, um, leprosy is a very, very contagious disease. Um, it's actually, it's like a skin slash neurological disease where essentially your body starts kind of breaking down. The nerves in your body start decaying and you start losing feeling and parts of your body just literally start falling off. Um, you can sometimes kind of look pretty grotesque. Um, and it actually is still around today and it's also extremely contagious. We can treat it now. Um, but back in Bible times, this was a death sentence. If you were found with leprosy, you were a dead man walking. There was no helping you. And so that's where actually the term a leper colony, a colony of lepers is literally like they all just live together because if everybody already had leprosy, it didn't really matter. You're all going to die anyways. So, but whenever was found, someone found, was found with leprosy, they would send them off to a leper colony and their life was pretty much over. It was just a horrible, horrible thing for anyone to be found with leprosy, especially in Bible times. It was Why just, stop, stop. So it was a very big deal. But the thing is, Jesus actually it shows a, a massive, big statement here by not only healing the man, but first being willing to reach out and physically touch this leper. Because that was like, you don't touch them. Like that's literally like how it is spread is by touch. If you touch a leper, then more than likely you're going to get it. It is an extremely contagious disease and something that is very, very easy to be able to pass on to other people. So the fact that Jesus openly is touching this leper physically to in front of everybody else is like, dude, what the heck is going on? Like, it's a really, really big deal. Not only for this man, because he probably hasn't had anybody actually touch him and have that physical touch of another person in a long time, which you guys might seem like it's not that big of a deal, but it, it makes a big difference. I mean, sometimes you ever just get that really, like a really good hug. And you're like, Gosh, dang, that's a really nice hug. And, you know, other times it's like, you don't really appreciate it until you don't have it. And I'm sure this guy appreciated somebody just being willing to give him the dignity as a person to just reach out and touch him. But not only that, Jesus 
reaches out and heals the man. He shows compassion on him, um, not only just to touch him, but also to heal him miraculously. Now, as we can see, unfortunately, this guy does not listen to Jesus. So a lot of people, for whatever reason in the Gospels, you'll see repeatedly, Jesus tells them, hey, go and do this, or hey, don't do that. And they basically, they either go and do it or they go and don't do it. They like do the exact opposite of what Jesus tells them to do half the time. I don't know why. People just didn't get what the heck was going on. But so it just was a, a interesting thing. But this guy does the exact opposite. He says, hey, don't tell anybody. Go show yourself to the priests. Um, and he reminds a sick man of where he needs to go and what he actually needs to do, which is following the Old Testament commandments. Because... Jesus is still holding everybody responsible and holding everybody to God's word, which there is no New Testament whenever Jesus is around. He is the New Testament. So up to that point, all they had was just the Old Testament, the Torah, the books, the law. And they obviously were, that's all they had to base everything <coughs> off of. And Jesus pointed this leper to God's word. Jesus wasn't focused on, hey, you're clean, everything's fine. He says, no, 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 don't tell anybody because it doesn't matter about you being clean. It matters about you following God's law and God's instruction. He points the leper back to God's commandments to be obedient. You can go to the next slide. You're okay. Um, so he reminds... Oh, oh, sorry, my bad. That's my bad. I, yeah, anyways. Um, so instead, this guy basically just starts telling everybody what Jesus did. And his, his ministry then starts becoming extremely difficult to be able to do, as it says here at the end of the passage. Um, and... The thing is, Jesus' goal really was to go so I can preach. That's why I've come. That was at the end of the previous passage of Mark thirty-one, or Mark one thirty-nine, it says, "Go so I can <coughs> preach." That is why I've come. But unfortunately, the thing is, people really just started mobbing him everywhere, and just to, because they wanted to be healed, they wanted to have a miracle. But instead, it, he was there to preach, not just to give miracles and to heal. He was there to be able to preach God's word. Um, which many things difficult. So that leads us into Mark 2, which is Mark 2, 1 through 12. Um, and this is a, a kind of a little bit of a thing. So let's uh, read that right quick. So a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? Well, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take, up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Amazed, uh, the, uh, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, "We have never seen anything like that." So, as you read before, everybody and their brother is mobbing Jesus right now. They are all super, super focused on trying to get <coughs> healed. But then Jesus, what does he do? He preaches. 
He's not there to heal. He's there to teach. He's there to share God's word with them. So again, it's important that we look back at Jesus' life and his ministry. What is he all doing and how are things going? He said from the very beginning of his ministry, I'm here to go preach the word. I need to go tell everybody. And this is a very consistent theme. Yes, in Mark, he does help and serve. He is always serving and healing and doing many miracles. And we're going to see all throughout Mark as we're walking through it, he heals a ton. He's always healing people. He's always doing stuff for people. He's always, always, always doing something. But his focus and his goal and his purpose is always to be able to teach, to share the gospel with people. So this guy is obviously paralyzed and his friends um, decide, hey, Jesus is this guy that apparently does a bunch of things and everyone's looking for him. And the thing is that they wanted to get their friend as close as they could to Jesus. At the end of the day, when you look at both the leper, if you guys focus, when you look at the leper and you look at this paralyzed man, both of them are coming to Jesus as a last resort because they have no other hope in this world. They can't cure leprosy. They can't make the paralyzed guy walk again. There's no healing those two things. There's nothing that any medicine today or back then could really do. Your paralyzed is done. And so the similarities between these two stories, both of these guys are at their last bit of life. They have nothing else. And so where do they go? The only places they can. Jesus. And these friends of this paralyzed man <laughs> recognize this as, as, um, as well. Some good friends, man. It is really good friends. <laughs> so the thing is, the difference between this, you know, this being like, the, I guess the faith that we might have in Jesus today, like, hey, Jesus is my only hope, and the faith that these guys had, it wasn't just like, oh, I think, you know, Jesus, like, I think Jesus can do something. Or, hey, maybe this guy can. Or, hey, I, you know, if he feels like it, maybe he can do this. No, they had a desperation to get their friend to God. They weren't satisfied with just being near the building where Jesus was teaching or being on the outside listening in, calling out to Jesus. They poured through the ceiling. They broke, like, broke through the ceiling of where Jesus was at just to lower their friend and get him as close as they possibly could to Jesus. Because they knew the closer that their friend got to Jesus, the more hope that they had. It was a desperation and a realization that Jesus was the only one that could do anything. And the closer they got their friend to him, the better. There was a, a, an insatiable desire to just get closer to Jesus. They simply wanted to be close to him, knowing that he was their only hope. And the thing is, when you look at the story, Jesus doesn't even heal this paralyzed guy right away. He literally just sees the faith of his friends and he says, hey, dude, I know you're paralyzed, but hey, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> doesn't help him. He doesn't heal him right away. He's, he, but the thing is, that's because Jesus didn't come to just heal sicknesses and heal disease. His goal is not just to heal and perform miracles. His goal is to pro proclaim the gospel. And to offer and share the forgiveness of sins through repentance, through faith in him. And he realized that these men all had faith in him. And so he looks at this paralyzed man and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. Because that's what mattered more than the man's physical being was actually his spiritual well-being. Because Jesus ultimately, <laughs> while yes, he does heal the man, 
He didn't so didn't do so outright because healing physically isn't what the man needed. He needed spiritual healing. He needed spiritual health. He needed forgiveness. He needed a relationship with him. And the thing is, when he does heal the man, it's as a sign to those that were there that were doubting him. He heals the man as a sign to those present that he does have the authority, not only over the physical, but also the spiritual. He said, your sins are forgiven. And, he's, and he says, hey, what do you think is going to be easier? Me saying, hey, your sins are forgiven or that this paralyzed guy can walk. Both to the people there seem impossible. They say, you can't forgive sins and this guy can't walk. But he says, bet. And he tells the guy to walk. So it's a, a point that he proves to the people there to represent his power. To show that he is God in the flesh. Jesus backed up his bold claim of forgiving sins with also the bold claim that the man could walk. That he could heal him as well. And there's a big difference also is that he physically touches the leper. But he doesn't even need to touch the paralyzed man. His, the power of God's own words itself were enough to bring a miracle about. God's word is powerful both then and now. And see, the thing is, people, Jesus didn't come to heal people, but instead Jesus was focused on people's relationship with God. Jesus' focus was people's relationship with God. Now, oftentimes we confuse having God in our life, and that meaning everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be smooth in my life. But the truth is that the Lord is not interested in making our lives comfortable and making our lives easy. But God does call us in all circumstances to be holy. Because his, his focus is our relationship with him, not our condition in the world. The thing is, in order to do that, in order to have that close relationship with him, he doesn't want us to strive for an easy life, but he wants us to have a life of obedience and humility. Can you go back just for the point for that real quick? Sorry. Thanks. Jesus calls us to have a life of obedience and humility. Not a life of luxury and comfort, but a life of sacrificial living for him. But the thing is... <laughs> In order to do that, we really have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with God. We have to be open with Him about our shortcomings. We have to be genuine with the fact that we're not perfect. And talk to God and work through the ways that we're not perfect. Because God isn't pleased with burnt offerings, but a broken and contrite spirit. It's a psalm from David, Psalm 51. God would rather us be honest and share our ugly side, our sin with him than pretend that we're fine or that we don't need him. Or ask God to work minimally. We can't pretend that all we need from God is for him to just make our life easier. Because God isn't our life's housemaid. He isn't just a maid dusting off the dust in our home of our heart. Jesus comes in, he tears out walls, he gets all the furniture out, he remodels us from the inside out. He takes out what we don't need and he leaves in what we do and strips us down 
to the bare frame of the house that he built us to be. And he rebuilds us and makes us and molds us into the way that he created us to be. He reshapes our hearts and our minds into a heart and mind that is for him. It's not about him just coming in and making us a better person, but it's about making us a new creation altogether. But the thing is, if we're going to do that, if we're going to have ourselves be transformed anew, like this paralyzed man and this leper man, they, they both had their lives transformed in an instant because they interacted with Jesus. And if we want to have that same kind of dramatic transformation of our hearts and our lives, we also have to allow God into our life. Not just part of it, but all of it. We have to allow Him to be a part of every aspect of our life with our friends, our family, our music, our video games, the choices that we make, the language that we use, the things that we look at, how we spend our time. We have to let God into all of those things or else our lives aren't going to change for anything. But the amazing thing is that is exactly what this guy Levi, also known as Matthew, does. In Mark 2, 13 through 17, you can read exactly what Mark or what Matthew did. So we're gonna we're gonna we're just gonna call him Levi because that's what the passage re- re- refers to him as. But here it goes. Once again, Jesus went uh, out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Aphilius, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, it's important to understand the context and the, like, the significance of what is going on in this passage. All right? So you might think, why are they saying like tax collectors and sinners? What's the big deal about a tax collector? It doesn't really matter that much. People collect taxes. What's so bad about that? But the thing is, a tax collector in this time, they actually were people that everyone hated. <laughs> like imagine like we're all here and there's just – one person that's at the window just like banging on the window the whole time and everyone's like, we hate that guy. Like, everyone just doesn't like him, okay? That's kind of what the tax collector was, except the tax collector was one of us going outside there and every day they just banged on the window. And they were one of us, but they were banging on the window. Because tax, tax collectors were actually chosen from, from the Roman government, so they were obviously under the control of Rome, but they chose people in those towns and in those cities to collect taxes for the Roman government. And these tax collectors made their money off of everybody else's income, but it was as much as they decided. So let's say, hey, you guys all have to pay me $10. But I would say, hey, Chloe, I actually need $12 from you. Hey, Emma, I'm gonna take 15 from you. Ronan, I'll give you one. Well, give, give, me, give me 11. But the thing is, my income is everything above $10, but I decide how much I take from you. I decide what I want from you and that is my income and so pretty much everybody in the in the town in the towns they knew who a tax collector was because they felt like they were stealing from their very own people 
And not only that, they felt like they were betraying their people because you're working for a foreign government. You're, you're a government official for people who's ruling over us. And they want to be free from government control. They didn't want to be under the boot of the Roman Empire. They wanted their Messiah to come and break them free from Roman control. And so a tax collector was the worst of the worst. So that's why it's you got to understand why that's such a big deal. So now, they also lived in a honor-shame system. So everybody say honor. Honor. Everybody honor. say shame. Shame. There you go. So the thing is, we have to realize that they live in an honor-shame system. We don't live in an honor-shame society, um, but they did. And so a person of higher honor was somebody that was well-respected, that everyone showed favor to, that not only that, people wanted to associate with them. They wanted to be a part of their life. So imagine somebody who had a lot of power. Let's say a politician in today's world or a some government official or some community leader that had a lot of influence. We would say that's a person of honor, right? But the opposite would be a person of shame or, or of dishonor. And these are people that people know kind of what they're doing and people don't respect it. People don't look up to it. They actually look down on these people for what they do. Tax collectors are one of those things. And not only that, it'd be like prostitutes or thieves, murderers. All these people that, you know, they, they don't live righteous lives. They live lives that would cause dishonor to themselves and to other people. And so because of that, everyone else around them doesn't want to associate with them. Nobody wants to be a part of them in their life. They actually get less opportunities. People talk to them less. They actually avoid them. And for us in today's world, we don't necessarily live in an honor-shame society. But the thing is, we also do the same thing quite often as well. Because how many people in your life or in your social situations or circles that you look down upon and don't want to associate with? The, the people that might be a little bit different than you and your friends. And you guys might look at and kind of make jokes about. Or it might be someone who sits alone all the time at lunch and no one wants to go sit with them because they're the weird kid. Or maybe there's someone that you see on the street and you're like, oh, it's a homeless guy. Let's, don't talk to him. He might be weird. And the thing is, in our society today, we treat certain people differently based on our prejudgments about them. And that's exactly what this honor-shame society was all about. They had a prejudice, a prejudgment about who they were and what they deserved. And the Pharisees were these guys that viewed themselves as they were honorable. They had all this way. They lived righteous lives. They tied their money and everybody looked up to them. And they also controlled a lot of what happened in society. So everyone wanted to obey and listen to what the Pharisees had because they were high honor people. But these prostitutes and these tax collectors, nobody ever associated with them. Nobody ever wanted anything to do with them. And we end up following a lot of those same things. We find people that we like, that we prefer more, and we show them favor. We show them more love and attention and forgiveness and grace. And for the people that we think are less than or are different, we tend to put off to the side. And the amazing thing is <laughs> that the Pharisees also did the exact same thing to Jesus. They judged Jesus for what he was doing. Because Jesus had the courage and he had enough love in his heart to go to the very people that everybody else said that wasn't worth the time. That was shameful. That was the lower outcasts 
of society. Jesus decided to hang out with tax collectors and sinners. Uh, like uh, a good analogy that I always heard from a pastor was, um, imagine if there was a strip club right next door. It's not really a place of very much honor or pride, right? Anybody who's seen going in there, you'd be like, mm, what are you going in there for, bro? Anybody who works there, you'd be like, dude, why are you working there? And you might think, okay, that's a really dramatic thing, but guess what? Jesus would want us to go and love on those people in there. Not to partake of anything, but to go show, hey, Jesus still loves you. To go to the places that nobody else wants to go. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's hanging out with the worst of the worst in society. Because guess what? Levi met Jesus, and he opens his whole life to him. He says, hey, Jesus, I, I'm going to follow you, but I also want you to know my friends. I want you to come over to my house. Meet these people that are a part of my life. Jesus opens everything up, or Levi opens everything up to Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus, I love you, but you can only be on, on this part of my life. The rest of my life, you're not going to do much about, because I, I like this stuff. But you can change this about me, but don't, don't change this. And typically, we like to think of our relationship with Jesus like that. We compartmentalize. We say, Jesus is over here. I go to church on Wednesdays, but I don't really talk about Jesus or pray to him or read my Bible or tell anybody about him. We compartmentalize our faith because we don't actually make Jesus a whole part of our life. And Levi shows us a beautiful example of that. And Jesus shows us a beautiful example of how to go and love those that are unlovable. How to go and serve those people that are in those situations. Like we said earlier, Jesus' focus is on people's relationship with God above all. He cares more about their relationship with Him than the things that they've done. Because He says, I can offer them forgiveness. It's not that He's approving of what they've done. But He does want us to have a relationship with Him above all. Because guess what? He told the leper to go follow the Old Testament commandments. He doesn't say, hey, go tell everybody about how amazing I am. He says, hey, no, go, go do what God's commanded you to do. And he tells the paralytic man before he heals him, hey, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, get up and walk, now your sins are forgiven. It's the opposite. He cares more about his spiritual health than anything else. And with Levi and these sinners, he cares more about them having the opportunity to come to faith in him than what other people think about him. Jesus cares most about our relationship with him than everybody else. That's exactly why he says it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I want to ask you guys and think about how many of us have avoided specific people or places due to our prejudices, to our prejudgments due to the thoughts we have about somebody or some place or something. We think, ah, I don't want to go there. They're kind of weird. Ah, I don't want to go there because people might think I'm, you know, one of them. People might think, oh, what are you doing over there? They're going to ask questions. But being public about our faith and being public about loving others like Christ was public, that shows a Christ-like love above all. And that's the kind of love that we, as Christians, if we say, I put my faith in Christ, that's the kind of love that we should strive for because Jesus is our example. Like we talked about in week one, 
his whole ministry and his whole life, he shows us how we should live as Christians. He lived the life that we would des desire to live. And Jesus went out of his way to love the unlovable. He went into the place because Jesus loved them enough to look past their mistakes and to look past the prejudices about them. To be able to share the gospel with them because Jesus calls all to him. Jesus calls all to him. So the gospel is not just for those who go to church. The gospel is not just something that we keep secret here for us. We don't just say, hey, do you know about the gospel? That's great. Hey, do you know about the gospel? Because guess what? I already know the gospel. I don't want you to tell it to me. I love the gospel. We can talk about how amazing it is. But guess what? There's a lot of people who don't know how good God is. A lot of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. A lot of people who would love to be able to have forgiveness for all the things that they've done. To be able to understand love unconditionally that Jesus shows us. If Jesus is our example, we should do as he did and love people that are viewed as bad or weird or different. And do so with the intention to share Jesus with them. Because Jesus wasn't afraid to touch the leper and heal him. And Jesus also doesn't want us to be afraid to offer spiritual healing to those that we know in our life as well. And I'm not saying that we need to be okay with people's sin. That's something I want to establish right now. We should love people that are not living for Christ, period. We should love them. That doesn't mean that we should approve and join in on what other people are doing. That doesn't mean that we should join in on that. Because guess what? Jesus, it doesn't say that Jesus joined in with anything they were doing. But what Jesus did was he, he's going to enter into where they're at. So I'm going to go into where you guys are living, what you guys are doing, and I'm going to share the gospel with you in your space. I'm not going to say you have to come to me. I'm going to go to you. There's a difference for us we have to remember. Don't just go into any situation and say, oh, things are going to be fine. Use caution, obviously. Go with wisdom, but also go with intention. Don't just go in, I think, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to show up. Go with an intention to share Christ with someone when you're doing those things. And he actually points out in this thing, he does point out that these are sinners. He says, these are the guys that need it. These are the guys that need me. So, in the end, I, last thing I want to ask you guys is, who are you guys reaching? Who are you reaching? It's not to say you guys need to be inviting somebody every single week or that you guys need to be having crazy conversations every week, but I do want you guys to be thinking about people you can be reaching out to. And if they're already a Christian, they already go to a different youth group, leave them alone. <laughs> I don't, I'm not asking you guys to recruit from other churches or to do that. But what I am asking you and challenging you guys to do, because I'm challenged by this too, all of us are challenged to go and share our faith with others and share what Jesus has done for me and Jesus has done for you with other people. And if you're not sure how to do that, then ask God to give you people and places to be able to share. And also... In praying for those people and places, also pray for God to give you the words to say in those situations with those people in those places. 
Because when you go to God and ask him, hey, God, I want to share with somebody. I don't know who to share with. I don't know where to share. I don't know how to share. But guess what? He says, cool, I'll take care of that for you. Now go. When we depend on God in those situations, he shows up. But we have to step out in faith to be able to love and share that with other people. And maybe your first step is just getting to know somebody. Because guess what? It says that Jesus sat down and he ate with people. He just, he was eating with them in their house. Do you think he's like, hey, can you pass the cannolis? Also, you should repent for your sins. It might be a little bit less. Awkward. Yeah, he's, he's probably not just rolling straight into that. He's probably saying, hey, what's your name? What's going on? We can't guarantee exactly what Jesus' conversation is with, but we can see pretty obviously that he got to know people as well as he was sharing his life with them. So maybe your first step is just getting to know that person that God's put on your heart. Maybe it's just getting to know them. That's your first step. That's your first step of faith is just understanding and having a relationship with that person. Maybe your next step is you already know them. Maybe it's that person that you sit next to in that class every single week that you already know, that you already talk to. You may not be best friends with them, but maybe you already have some kind of a relationship with them. And maybe your next step is just being public about your faith. Maybe you just actually need to be bold enough to share your faith and who you are. And maybe if not that, maybe you need to actually step out and say, hey, how can I pray for you. Hey, I go to church. Would you like to come with me? As simple as that, inviting somebody into the relationship you already have with God. But it's being bold enough to go out and do that with other people wherever you're at. So, our family is right here. You look around. Just everyone look around. Everyone look around, everybody. Everybody look around, everybody. Everybody look around. Guess what? Shh, I didn't say. I didn't say talk. Thank you. But guess what? These are all your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? For anybody who says that they're a believer, guess what? We're family. You're you're my brother or sister. I'm your brother. All right. And guess what? This family isn't exclusive at all. Because guess what? Everybody is welcome into the family of God. And everybody has the opportunity and blessing to be able to be a part of this family here. But it's our job to go out and send out the invitations. To welcome everybody to the family gathering. Alright? So who are you guys reaching? Pray and ask God to give you someone to reach and to share. Don't be afraid to invite others or be public about your faith with your friends or even with new people. God is calling all people to a relationship with him to receive forgiveness for their sins. So he, who is he calling through you? Let's pray. Father God, um, I just thank you so much for the time that we have. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just um, continue to move and convict us, Lord. Help us to not lose sight of the importance of sharing you with others and not only that let us not lose sight of how caring and loving you are to be able to enter into our messiness our sin and heal us from the inside out the leper and the paralyzed man lord their their problems were on the outside god you heal us from everything 
you heal us from an even bigger problem that no one else can fix. No medicine can remedy. Lord, our sin, our ugliness, our shortcomings that we all have, Lord, that is what you forgive. That's what you take away. That's what you make better. So Jesus, I pray that we would be willing and able and excited to be able to share how you've healed us with others. Lord, that we could invite other people to be a part of your family. And God, that we would do so out of love and out of care and the desire for others and dedication to you. We love you, Lord. We ask that in this moment, if we have somebody on our mind that we want to share the gospel with, Lord, that we feel like you've placed in our lives to be able to share and reach out to, God, let it, put that person in our mind right now. Lord, give us the words to say. Set up the opportunities, Lord. Make divine appointments this week for us right now. Let us look forward to and be expecting those opportunities to share you. And that we can come back and share that with other people. Share that with each other and be encouraged to see what you are doing. Let us not let our prejudices block us from reaching out to those that we need to. Let us love like you loved. In your mighty name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And there you have it, guys. That is week three of our Origin series. I hope you guys can leave feeling encouraged to reach out, to evangelize, to share the gospel, to not let your own thoughts and prejudices and things you might have uh, about other people and situations that are different than ours keep you from building those relationships and sharing the gospel with those that need it the most, which is anybody who is not a believer. And for ourselves, also just being reminded of the beauty of the gospel and how much God loves us in our own sin, our own fallen state, that he saw us and saved us from ourselves. And we have that wonderful hope that we can share with others. So be encouraged. Um, and go share the gospel with somebody. Have a good day.